It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Well, good morning. The blue guy was uh, modelled after myself, my life. Um, good character, me, in the blue phase of my life. Um, good to have you here. Good to see you all. Uh, also, a shout out to those of us, our Elevate family, joining us via our podcast. Uh, first Sunday of the month, so we like to give a little shout out to any new uh, movers, new entrants, countries into our top 10. However, uh, our top 10 countries all held steady in terms of it's the same 10 from the previous month. However, we have a new number one. A couple of years ago, Japan was the number one most listened to country, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't stand for that. So Australia came through. And the last couple of years, Australia has been the number one country listening to our podcast. But last month, Australia is now number two. And the new country is the good old, and we're recording this on the 4th of July, the good old US of A is now our number one country. So shout out to all you grilling on the 4th of July um, over in the USA. Great to have you here. And uh, we're launching a brand new series today. Just ticked over the halfway point of 2020. And uh, well, uh, what a year it's been so far. Pretty unique in, uh, in the global scheme of things. Um, and a lot of bad news. And you know that, and I'm not going to even recount it, because we know. We just don't need to be reminded. In fact, some of us are trying to forget. Um, but there's been a lot of macro bad news, you know, things that have happened on a city-wide scale, a, a nationwide scale, and a, even a global scale. Uh, and then there's a lot of micro bad news, where, uh, you know, some of the macro uh, bad news has caused some of the micro bad news, or even just micro bad news that happens because, you know, life. Micro bad news, some of you have, have, have experienced this in 2020 so far. And the thing about having, uh, being in this time where we're experiencing wave, uh, and not of just of the bad news happening, but the mass media and social media kind of broadcasting of the bad news is just the wave after wave after wave can cause us to become cynical, can cause us to become jaded, can cause us to become pessimistic. And none of those things are actually God's best for us. And so we're launching this series, Stay Positive, very intentionally into the current zeitgeist that, that we're all living in. And I'm asking a very specific question today. Is optimism dead? That's my question, okay? Is optimism dead? Now, in very general terms, uh, some people have a default to being pessimistic regardless of the news. And some other people have a default to being optimistic, regardless of the news. In fact, same news can have, based on the perspective, the result of pessimism or optimism. And uh, in fact, I was reminded of this right in the week that the government announced that lockdown and that churches wouldn't be able to meet live, so back mid-March, uh, a few 
of the church leaders around Perth, we got together just to kind of compare notes and share best practices and riff on what we're going to do and how we're going to do church in a lockdown season. And it became very evident very quickly in this little meetup that I had that there was, there was a couple of people who, whose default was pessimism. And as we're talking about what might happen, what might happen, which was all crystal balling at, at, at that time, there was a couple of the, the, the crew there that were like, well, we're going to lose two-thirds of our church. They're never going to come back. Uh, 60% of our church are going to lose their jobs. Uh, and I'm like, what? You don't know that. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I do. And I'm like, no, no, why don't you say like, it's possible that this could happen. But they're like, no, 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 no. This is what's going to happen. I'm like, okay, I need to leave and go and have a shower. And I did. You two famously said, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But here's the reality. When it comes to news, based on whether you're inclined to being more of a pessimist or more of an optimist, even in the bad news, you will find what you're looking for based on your perspective. Now, sorry to remind you, we can't currently travel overseas. Sorry about that. Uh, not my fault, but uh, sorry just to be announcing that, reminding you. Uh, we can't currently travel overseas. But, but, but back in the glory days when we could, and looking into a glorious future sometime probably after July next year when we can travel overseas again. If you've ever been to traveling to an overseas country where you don't speak the language, whilst it's part of the adventure, it's also very, very challenging. And you would know this. You know, it's challenging when you go to maybe to a coffee shop or a restaurant and you're trying to order something. And even if you do recognize the item, you can't pronounce it. It's very, very challenging. It's challenging if you're trying to navigate, and that could be through an airport. This could be if you're driving uh, somewhere, and because uh, all the signs are in a language that you don't understand. Again, it's part of the adventure, but it, it's still incredibly challenging. Well, let me give Google a shout out. It's not often I do this. Let me give Google a shout out. Google have an app. It's called Google Translate. M most of you probably know that, but with with. Okay, I'm going to just say you're welcome for what I'm about to tell you. You're welcome. Within the Google Translate app, there's a function called Word Lens. Anyone familiar with the Word Lens function? Okay, all right, all right. Well, for the rest of you, again, you're welcome. All you need to do is open up the Google Translate app, add a sign or a menu, and point your camera. You don't even have to touch anything. You don't even have to push any buttons. You just have to point your camera at the sign, the street sign, for example, and on your screen, it will automatically show that sign in your native language. Hello. How good is that? But here's the thing. Let me break it down for you. Nothing about the news written on that sign has changed. The only thing that's changed is your comprehension, but the only reason your comprehension has changed, your understanding has changed, you've got clarity with what, with what the meaning or the significance of that sign is, is that you looked at it through a different lens. And so what I want to do today is in the midst of all this bad news, I want to actually look at current world events and the current wave after wave of bad news through a different lens, through actually the lens of God's word. And what he says about it. And my hope is that we would have an increased understanding of actually God's perspective of the current news. Even though the news itself may 
or may not change. Because here's the big idea. Optimism isn't based on how we feel. It's based on what God says. And so I want to have a look at some of what God says today. So if you've got your Bible app, uh, not our Elevate Church app, uh, the Bible app, open the Bible app. And go with me to Romans chapter 8. Now, Romans is a letter. It's not written by Romans. It was written to Romans by a guy named Paul. And uh, he wrote this letter to them to encourage them. They were a new church, a growing church in what was, what was very much the global, cultural, economic epicenter of the world at the time. And, and he wrote this letter. I'm going to just dive into chapter 8. Now, this is just one chapter in one book in the entire Bible. That's all I'm going to do. Just one chapter in one book in the entire Bible. And I'm going to talk about eight reasons that I found in this one chapter, eight reasons I found to be optimistic. Now, I actually found 23. But I'm aware if I said I'm going to teach 23, that the people that need to hear this the most will get all cynical and pessimistic because 23 just sounds like a lot of hard work, even though I'd be doing all the work. So I'm just going to go with eight. So I'm going to call this my eight from eight. And uh, we've got about 23 minutes left. So, hey, Siri, can you set a timer for 23 minutes? Okay, 23 minutes and counting. Great. Uh, thank you, Siri. Hey, Siri, thank you. Starting in verse 1, why not? This is what Paul wrote, chapter 8, verse 1, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. What fateful dilemma? Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. Whoa! The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Number one reason that I'm optimistic. Oh, my finger's broken. Wait till. Is my God is good? And now this is a very different question to what a lot of people spend their time asking when, when uh, bad news rolls in. Is, is God exist? Well, I can't prove to you beyond reasonable doubt that God exists. I believe he does. I know many of you believe he does. But there's an even more important question beyond does he exist. And the question is what sort of God is he? If he exists, is he good? Or is he evil? Is he out to prosper us or to harm us? Is he out to save us or to shame us? And, and having the understanding of the very nature and the character of God is going to be the game changer for how we look at the signs of the times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And God is good. So good, in fact, that he saw our desperation. He saw the human condition. He saw that we were separated from him. He saw that we couldn't bridge the gap to him, a holy God, by just being a good person or doing good moral things. But that actually he had to take the responsibility. He had to initiate bridging that gap. And he did so by sending the only thing he had one of 
into this world, which was his son Jesus. And not just sending his son into this world, but asking of his son that he would die a painful death on a cross for us. Because he's good. And that's a reason I'm optimistic. Bounce on to verse 34. The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, in the presence of God at this very moment, is sticking up for us. Number two reason, I'm optimistic. Get this, Jesus is praying for me. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah, right now. Some of you are like, oh, thank God for that. Right. Look, I do. Jesus is praying for me right now. Look, I love it when certain people pray for me. And when I say certain people, I'm talking about the people, uh, not the people who have the dial-up modem connection to God. Now, some of you, I know you don't have a clue what I'm talking about there, but there was a time in history, long before I was born, obviously, where to get onto the internet, you actually had to take the phone line out of your home phone, which again, some of you still don't know what I'm talking about, and plug that phone line into a modem that's set outside of your computer, and you'd have to click some things, and it would dial up, and you'd hear this very annoying clicking and buzzing and whirling sound. You would then leave the room, come back two, three hours later, and the thing's now connected to the internet. Look, the people I love to pray for me are the people with the always-on, high-speed, 5G, Wi-Fi, never disconnected connection to God. Them people, when they put one hand on your shoulder to pray for you, or you know, from a meter and a half away, obviously, and 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 then they just reach the other hand up. It's like they're like a it's it's like a and like whoa. And this happened to me a few weeks ago. A guy named Rob. Uh, 67-year-old guy, an always-on connection to God, leads a church here in the city. He wanted to meet up and talk about how we've kind of navigated the, the, the lockdown and so on and so forth. And at the end of our, our coffee together, he said, you know, can I pray for you and can I pray for Elevate? And I'm like, yeah, I, I would actually pay you if, if, if that's what it took. And he prayed for me and I was like, you know, people, other people in the coffee shop, well, who knows what they thought, but I'm sure it wasn't good. Um, but get this. As great as it is that Rob prayed for me and prayed for you, we have Jesus right now sitting at the right hand of the Father, 24-7, 365, praying for us. Verse 18. This is Paul writing. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. Number three reason why I'm optimistic is my victory is guaranteed. That Paul had this longer arc perspective of, of beyond just the current bad times. And look, if you don't know like Paul's story in this kind of context, it might be easy for you to think, well, you know, I mean, what does Paul know about hard times? Well, well here's the deal. First of all, he wrote this letter in prison, from a prison. And, and this wasn't like glamorous prison. This was like old school 2,000 years ago prison. And he was there because he was a follower of Jesus. He was considered a threat to the, to the Roman Empire. 
He'd been beaten. He'd been tortured previously in the run-up. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been bitten by a snake. I mean, like he understood bad times. And yet while he was still in prison, not after he got out, while he was still in prison, he wrote this, that the current hard times don't compare to the future good times. That he had a focus on the victory beyond the immediate. Okay. Scotty, I feel like we're on a roll. Uh, Tim, that was for you. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them. Living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out in the open into a spacious, free life. Number four reason I'm optimistic is my freedom is possible. We can live free even in the midst of circumstances that might try to confine us, try to confine our thinking and try to confine possibilities and try to confine our perspective and try to confine how we feel and how we approach life. That even in the middle of the circumstances, even when things are rattling around us on the outside, we don't have to be rattled on the inside. In fact, let me take the metaphor one step further. The key when things are rattling around on the outside to not being rattled on the inside is what's actually rattling around in you every single day. And what I recommend, what I use and recommend to have rattling around on the inside is have God's promises rattling around on the inside. Have God's purpose rattling around on the inside. Have God's peace rattling around on the inside. Have God's power rattling around on the inside. They'll start with P and I'm only done four, but I'm not finished yet. Have God's presence rattling around on the if you've got those things rattling around on the inside then the stuff that's rattling around on the outside won't rattle you three golf claps i think i think i'll stick with the drum rolls scotty verse 31 so what do you think what do you think it just happened what do you think with god on our side like this how can we lose If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else? I mean, if if he's willing to send his son, is anything else? He wouldn't do gladly and freely for us? Rhetorical question. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? Number five reason I'm optimistic is I can't lose. See, here's the thing. People will come against us. Circumstances will come against us. And yet we're guaranteed, because we've got God on our side, that we can't lose. It's like the WWE tag team wrestling, the world wrestling. They went with entertainment. I mean, I realize that's quite an accurate thing, but it just doesn't sound like it's punchy. World wrestling entertainment. I mean, Hamilton, sure, but wrestling? Uh, anyway, WWE tag team. So, so we're in the ring, right? Here's the thing. That's life. We're in the ring called life, and our opponent is coming against us. And by the way, there's more than one. And we're in the ring. 
But here's the thing. This is what God wants us to know, that while we're in the ring, he's there on the side waiting, ready for us to engage, ready to tap in and take over. And here's what you need to know. He's more powerful than Hulk Hogan. I'm about to go on a timeline, Reese, so buckle in. He's more powerful than Andre the Giant. I know, big call. He's more powerful than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay, but wait, some of you, this, I realize this might cause a bit of controversy. He, God's even more powerful than Dwayne The Rock Johnson because God can smell what The Rock's cooking, all right? Here's the deal. And here's the thing. When you're in the ring called life and opponents are coming at you and you're getting beaten and pile-drived, and slammed and jumped on from the third turnbuckle. (laughs) And you think, well, this sucks. You just have to stagger over and tap, and God says, all right, I, I got this. And in he goes, and it starts to get pretty fun to watch from your point of view. Verse 24, that's why waiting doesn't diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what's enlarging us. But the longer we wait and the larger we become, the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. Now, I don't think I need to explain the metaphor that Paul used. So I'm going to pick a new metaphor before I do. Number six reason that I'm optimistic is my God is always working. Now, we sing a song in our current playlist called Waymaker, written by a beautiful African song leader named from... Oh, yeah, you haven't watched Black Panther. No, no, you haven't watched Black... Yeah, okay. Anyway, from Nigeria. And she wrote this song, Waymaker, which has since blown up. It's in our play, playlist. And here's, here's two of the lines that we kind of sing on, on the loop. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even, should I sing it? No. Correct answer. Even when, <laughs> good. I wasn't even tempted, trust me. I, more of a threat than a promise. More of a threat than a promise. Anyway. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. It's like, what is that all about? Well, here's the deal. Let's say you, now that we can, go out to a restaurant for a meal. Family, friends, go to a restaurant. You sit, typically this is how it goes. And by the way, McDonald's is not a restaurant. This is how it typically goes. You sit at a table and a waiter or waitress, a server will come up to you And uh, there'll be a menu there. And they'll say to you, you know, what what would you like to order? And you tell them, I'll have the this and the that and other people at your table, this and that and this and that and this and that. Have you ever considered from that very moment or even in that very moment, everything you are now doing is purely an act of faith? Unless for some reason you entered the restaurant through the kitchen area, 
and saw someone with some whites and some knives and a, and a hat, or there's an open kitchen, which, you know, that's very rare. You would normally come through the front door and the kitchen would be not exposed to the public. The very fact that you've said to somebody, I would like to have the this, the that, and the other, in that moment and from that moment, it, it's, the whole exchange is purely an act of faith. Because let's say you ordered the chicken. You don't know whether they've even got chicken. I mean, it says it on the, on the menu, so. You've assumed that there's some people in the kitchen area. That's the statement. You've actually assumed that some people in the kitchen area. You didn't know that. And not only have you assumed in that moment that there's some people in the kitchen area, you've assumed that they actually know what they're doing, that they've got some skills with a Z, that, that, they, that, that the very thing you've ordered, they actually are capable of delivering on. This thing that was on the menu, it was a promise, and you claimed that promise, and the moment you claimed that promise, you had to wait. And your act of waiting was an act of faith. You ever thought about it like that? There is no guarantee, because you haven't paid for it yet. So there is no guarantee that the promise that you've claimed is ever gonna arrive. And all you're asked to do is to wait. And at some terrible restaurants, you're asked to wait a long time. And, and here's, what, here's what you can do after the order before the food comes. Here's what you do and I do. We wait. We can't do anything else. We just wait. We just wait. But here's the thing. We, our faith tells us that even while we're waiting, the chef's working. Even though we don't see it, they're working. Even when we don't feel it, they're working. They never stop. They never stop working. They never stop. They never stop working. And that promise that you claimed will ultimately be delivered. And while you were waiting, they were working. The reason it's going to be delivered is because while you were waiting, they were working. They never stopped. They never, tick it up, order up. They never stopped. Giuseppe, your brother's a chef. Is this how it goes? I mean, of course. Come on now. Even while you were waiting, they were working. They never stopped. They never stopped working. And now I'll sing. Thank you, Winter and Winter's mom. But trust me, you don't know what you're asking for. Verse 28, we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Number seven reason, I'm optimistic. Just check that Siri's still working. She never stops. She never stops working. My, go my God. I feel like it's more like James Corden preaching up here than uh, someone that should, claims to have studied the Bible in his life. My God works things into something good. Now, this is very much a companion message to a message I preached about five weeks ago in a series we called, He's Still Got the Whole World in His Hands. And that message was called Nothing New. And I would encourage you to go back and either watch that on YouTube or listen to it on our podcast. This is a companion message to that. That, that, that even though some things are delivered to us that are not ideal, that God allows us to go through some circumstances that we probably wouldn't have wished for. 
Even though God allows us to do that, his promise is that he always works things into something good. That things aren't always something good. Things, things that always start out as something good. That God always works them into something good. In the 1880s, there was a couple of sisters that worked in the kitchen at their family-owned uh, restaurant slash hotel, about 150 kilometers outside of Paris. And the sisters were called the Tatan sisters. That was the family name. And uh, one of the, the Tatan sisters was uh, preparing, uh, was making an apple pie. Now, if you've never made an apple pie, and if the only apple pie you've ever had is uh, out of the freezer aisle at Woolies, let me explain the process. The process is you, you roll out pastry, you get your pastry tin, you put the pastry uh, in the tin. Meanwhile, you are stewing the apples, softening them, caramelizing them, bit of sugar, bit of the good stuff over there. You will then blind bake that pastry case. I'm probably getting a little bit too specific right now. Anyway, point is apples, pastry. Apples finished, tip apples into pastry, cover with more pastry, bake in oven. Okay? One of the sisters was getting early in this process, started the process, smelled something burning, like, uh, this is new, and realizes that the apples had started to go a wee bit too far. And she panicked. She hadn't yet uh, filled the case with the bottom layer of pastry. So she took the apples off the stovetop, poured them into the uh, case to stop the cooking process in terms of that uh, stovetop. And then, oh, oh, now I, I didn't put the paste. So then she put, a, put the pastry on top and put that in the oven. But then she was a little bit embarrassed when it was finished in the oven because if people cut it through and scooped it out, it's just going to schlutz everywhere because there's no bottom to the pastry. So what she did is she got a plate and got the, the pan and she turned it like that and served it nude on top, dressed on the bottom. That dish is now called the tartan, which is famous in many more countries around the world. But it started off as a disaster. It started off as a problem. It started off as a hot mess. It started off as a mistake. And yet she was able to turn it into something good because that's what great craftspeople are able to do. And God is the greatest craftsman that we could ever think of. So even the worst of the worst situations on a micro level and a macro level, God is able to turn them into our very own tar tartan. Number eight, verse 38, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing, can get between us and God's love because that's the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Number eight reason and probably the number one of the eight, save the best for last, is my future is secure. That absolutely nothing... Whoop! Number eight. My future is secure. I think we did well to get through seven without a... Screwing up. Pay, pay more attention next time, Scott. Uh, I, bl I, blame you, I blame you for that eighth one. 
oh, come on now, leaders aren't supposed to take the blame. Blame everyone else. That's what good leaders do. <laughs> My future is secure. If you're a follower of Jesus, your future is secure. Absolutely nothing can get between you and God. You and God's love for you. You and God's best for you. You and God's promises for you. You and God's purposes for you. You and God's future for you. You and God's destiny for you. You and God's opportunities for you. You and God's peace in your life. You and God's promises. I said promises once. It was so good I came back and said it again. And that is eight reasons for us to be optimistic. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.